It is Locked on Jazz for the 6th of June. Quinn Snyder concludes his tenure as head coach of the Utah Jazz and all that means. Coming up next on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thank you very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. And... It is We are free and available anywhere you get podcasts, including YouTube, and we'll have a robust conversation today on the Locked on Jazz YouTube channel. Lots of questions, lots of discussions for all of you to have. Who will be the next head coach of the Jazz? What does it mean for the Utah Jazz? Uh, all those. Here's our plan on the show while you're having your side conversation on the comment section in YouTube. First off, why Quinn Snyder resigns and what it means for the Utah Jazz. We'll start on the fact that it's a big blow to the Utah Jazz. Not a death blow, but a big blow. Then, the he said it, they need a new voice and no path forward. We'll discuss that. And finally, what's next? What's Danny Ainge's plan? What does it mean for Donovan and Rudy? All of that on today's show. Let's start with it's a big blow but it's not a death blow. And before I totally dig into that, I do think it's important that on a personal level that I share. So I was pretty close with Quinn. Um, It's always weird in this business of what you believe a friendship is and what it isn't, but I do believe I had a pretty strong friendship with him. Um, He's the, the, just on a quick anecdote um, throughout my life, I've always had people tell me uh, it's exhausting. You're, you're, it's great to be with you, but you're exhausting. And I, I always just said, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, I didn't really understand what anyone meant. And then I started to go to dinner with Quinn. And I would come home exhausted. The effort it takes to try to keep up with that brain, to be on point for those conversations, to be um, sharp enough to be able to, to follow the conversation, uh, I was exhausted. Uh, his, If I could give you one word about Quinn Snyder... It's authenticity. It's what matters to him. It's what he tried to represent. It's what he wanted the jazz to represent. Um, it's everything in any conversation uh, that you ever that I ever had with him is authenticity. Um, a, a real truthfulness and honesty to the way things uh, were portrayed. Um, he, he was not one. If things went down and there was kind of a, well, we'll skate around the corner, we'll get through this. Um, he was much more interested in, wait a sec, why wasn't the truth told? Why, why wasn't there some authenticity to this? Why, that, that, was, uh, that would be the number one thing I would share with you from my time with Quinn. Um, on a personal note, he's wildly important to me in my career. Uh, really, probably locked on more than the Jazz, just gave me a confidence and a belief in myself, which is what great coaches do. Um, so in that sense, thank you. But I don't, want, I, I don't think that's what you guys want today. So I did think it was important. I shared that first. I'm, I'm minimizing that. Well, for me, it's actually quite mammoth. But let's get to this. It's a big blow 
Because every game the Jazz had an advantage. Quinn Snyder is one of the smartest, best basketball coaches in the NBA. The Jazz level of preparation on a night-in and night-out basis was, I think, close to unprecedented. Tom Thibodeau would come in and see it. Terry Stotts would come in and see it. Other coaches across the league, when they came through the building and you talked to them, the level of preparation and where he took the Jazz from post Ty Corbin, worst record in the Western Conference, to literally starting Dante Exum because he wasn't Trey Burke and trying to get this team to play right. And they won games simply based on an unbelievable work by that coaching staff. And then they won a playoff series because of it. Uh, you know, players were great, but the practice in Oklahoma City, we'll never forget it. Uh, the Jazz had lost game one in OKC and Quinn held a practice between game one and two that was a masterpiece. Uh, walking around the arena. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? They, Oklahoma City played a trapping kind of unique defense where they put a lot of pressure on the ball. You felt it now. Now you felt it. Now we react. And just kind of the whole day and you walked out knowing that he may have just won the playoff series and the Jazz executed it perfectly and did win that playoff series. Um, there was a game on the road early, early in his tenure. The first time I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's on a different level where we were playing a team and he was convinced that the entire offense started with an elbow entry pass, the entry pass to the elbow, and then they started their offense. But that if you didn't, if they didn't get the elbow entry pass, they actually had no counters. It sounded almost crazy when he said it that in that shoot around, but he went through the whole shoot around and the whole shoot around was denying the pass to seemingly an irrelevant player at the elbow. And the jazz did it that night. This team, I think scored like 82 points. Uh, that's not a right number. Don't go look it up. Um, and they absolutely were stymied and it was, that type of regular season, everyday preparation. When he first built the culture of this organization, it was hour-long shoot-arounds, which is unheard of. It's what Trey Lyles complained about because he was willing to teach and and get the players better to, in, in exchange lose a game because of the long-term benefit that would come. And as time went on, the shoot-arounds got shorter and the time got shorter and the practices got shorter and less because the team became better and the culture um, was was built. Um, players knew that they were being put in the best position to win every night. That's what players want. Players want two things. They don't want, they can claim they want all this other stuff, but it right, it's right down to it. What players want is they want to be get better and they want to be in a position to succeed. And there was never any doubt that the head coach, Quinn Snyder, was doing every single thing he possibly could at every moment, three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, devouring film, breaking stuff down, looking to see what how he could put players in a position to win. He was deeply Deeply committed to his players. The converse, endless conversations. Maybe and maybe over eight years too many. And that's why, you know, he said, I couldn't see a path forward and we needed a new voice. Um, you know, I think th- those are the things um, that when it gets right down to it, I think, um, is, you know, the, there, is a, there is a, Jerry Sloan used to say in this kind of funny way, I don't talk to them, then they don't get tired of me. And there might be something to that after eight years of, you know, him just, 
you know, the same level intensity exhaustion that I shared, um, that there is something to that. That's where he talks about needing a new voice. And we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit more in depth here in just a second on, you know, what he means by that and, and why that could come place. He's not perfect. I don't want to misportray that. He's an incredible head coach. He's a brilliant mind. He's, you know, could be an executive um, on something at any point in time. He, uh, you know, I mean, like Morgan Stanley or, or where, you know, Payne, where, wherever. Like he could have been an investment banker. He could have been a CEO. He's an amazing leader. There is, you know, all, I refer to it as the cult of Quinn. And I was a member. Like you just got in, you felt something magical, you felt this incredible intelligence and mind and energy to him and you wanted to be a part of it and you became smarter every day you were around it and you learned something every day you were around it and there was, there was a, but there was also a frenetic energy to it like that could wear, that I think can wear things out or almost create a level of, mm, I don't know what the right word to that is. I, I, I'm bouncing between a bunch of different words and I don't think I have the right one um, to it. But really when you got to this, there was a guy who was 100% committed in every sense of every second of every day to making the franchise better, the players better, his fellow coaches better, to developing an awareness. His awareness was unprecedented. And when I mean, when I say awareness, I mean that he's on one end of the floor and something happens on the other side and he's over there. Hey, you just had your pivot foot in the wrong spot. The level of detail he would go to with Rudy Gobert on picking and angles and how to flip a pick and where to put it or what, hey, set the pick this way and then come off this foot for your rollie or step faster than if you do it another way. Um, the level of detail we're talking with Donovan or Mike about, hey, wait a sec, when this offense approaches, it's got to come in on this angle to start this, to bring this to this direction over. I mean, it was, and then the awareness of if something on the floor didn't happen in the correct way, he'd pop over and be on it. Um, immediately. This is a guy who has left a massive footprint. There's the great line, you know, you come into the world and you leave a footprint. This is a massive footprint on the Utah Jazz. And as I said, it's a big blow. You had an advantage every night, but it's not a death blow. The Jazz have a lot to offer to the next person. And if done hiring right, there's a lot to build on going forward. And we'll continue to touch on that. But why did Quinn Snyder think there might be no path forward in the Salt Lake Tribune or he couldn't find a path forward or that they needed a new voice? We touch on that as we continue here on this Monday edition of Locked on Jazz. Quinn Snyder resigns or concludes his tenure as head coach of the Utah Jazz. Uh, big big moment in our franchise history and we're talking about it here on Locked on Jazz. The show is brought to you today by Murdoch uh, Chevy located out in Woods Cross and in Linden. When you're thinking Chevy you're thinking the amazing Silverado truck. You're also thinking the Colorado uh, The Silverado is what I like to refer to as the lazy boy of big trucks. You're sitting back you're cruising. It's fabulous. You're rolling. And on the other side you have the Colorado, which is a little bit of the zippier, uh, easier to get around, kind of everyone's got to have truck uh, there. Plus, the SUV lineup of the Chevys are great. The Blazer and the Trailblazer, the Equinox, um, along with the Traverse. You can get it all over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also in Linden. Feel free to email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com if you'd like to uh, jump aboard uh, and get something done there. We'll give you the VIP 
meeting. Today's show is also brought to you by betonline.net, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports development news and odds, including this year's basketball championship, NHL conference finals, MLB, and of course, fighting news from MMA, UFC, and boxing. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about trends. It's Bet Online, where the game starts. Warriors, even the series yesterday. Uh, thank you very much for making Lockdown Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, Lockdown NBA Big Board, your draft, getting you ready for the draft. So Quinn Snyder said it in the release, we needed a new voice. They needed a new voice. Um, And then in the article with Gordon Monson and the Salt Lake Tribune, I can't see a clear path for it. I alluded to this latter item all week long. If you listen to me on The Zone, if you listen to me here, I just kept saying there were so many things and so many layers to Quinn trying to figure out moving forward And I just was beginning to have a hard time seeing how he was going to be able to find a a footing and a foundation that was going to make him comfortable to move forward. And the other thing I said, that there were two scenarios that had me most concerned. One is, and still a concern, is that this team's been overachieving by five to seven games every year because Quinn's preparation and his staff's preparation was so good that they were winning regular season games they shouldn't win, and then when they got to the playoffs, they got exposed, and it wasn't actually a fault of theirs. It was that they'd overachieved every... You can decide whether you buy that or not. Time will tell. The other concern I had, though, and, then I, and when I said it, I said on the show, but I can't imagine Quinn ever doing this, was Quinn moving forward because... He was scared to step away because he didn't want to give it up. Like once you give it up, it's you give it up permanently. I mean, he says in the Gordon Monson article, he's feeling, you know, great sadness and he's very emotional. It'll be interesting to see in the press conference today how he reacts. Because um, he, the authenticity I talked about earlier. And I didn't think because of the authenticity, I didn't think Quinn would do this, which is that he gets in because he doesn't want to leave it. He doesn't want to stop. I mean, this is an eight-year building. This guy built the culture, built the this the feel, the atmosphere, the everything about it. For eight years, he built this. Now Ryan's come in and added his culture and it's evolving and, and all sorts of good things. And you have that, that was yours and you built it. And I mean, he really, truly in his heart of hearts, this, this was his masterpiece. And he's involved in every step of it from Anthony, the chef, to how the weight room looks, to where the placement of this is, to how people's walking pattern is when they come in the building, to all these different elements of, of like the level of detail that he put into coaching. He also put into every experience a player had. So to step away from that, it's a mammothly difficult thing. And so my other concern was that, you know, you keep going without your full voice, but that's not who Quinn was and or is. And that's what's clear here is that he couldn't find that path forward. He couldn't find that bearing. He couldn't find that ground. And then he was honest that there was just so much noise, both internally and externally this last year. And so many distractions and so many new layers internally and externally that he just didn't have their voice. We saw, we heard it. If you listen to him in the press conferences for the last month of the season, you could hear him 
asking his players, begging his players. There was one press conference where I felt like he actually literally gave out the game plan for the team of what it was almost in the pregame to say to everyone, like, here's what I've asked them to do. We'll see if they do it. Um, That was the feeling I had on one of the press conferences. I think it was a game that we won. Might have been Dallas game three. Um, But it was just a strange press conference in that, like, the amount he was revealing beforehand. There were multiple press conferences late in the year where you could feel this. He went out of his way to thank the fans on multiple occasions in... Um, in the last month of the season, which told me that there was like a feeling that if I don't do it now, I might not get to do it. Um, And that I think is a coach in the process going, they're not hearing me right now. They are not feeling me right now. They are not, they are not reacting to me. But, you know, there, there is not an appreciation for what we're doing right now. There's a desire to do something else. There's a desire to run it their own way. There's a desire to have their own plays. There's a desire to have their own approach differently than what um, he had been giving them for all these years. And I think you could feel that if you were paying attention in the press conferences as the year kind of wrapped up. Um, And I just think it evolves, right? There's eight years is a long, long time. I said last week, I almost had a feeling that, you know, if Quinn was a professor, you'd let him take a year sabbatical and then come, let him come back and, and build the, and and run the program and run the department. Um, I, I have a feeling that, um, you know, two years from now, we'll be like, oh, I wish we had Quinn Snyder. Like, not in any negativism to whoever we get, and we'll get to that in a second. But I just think that he's that special. That and But it also, you know, there is a moment where there is no path forward and there is no voice, um, and the voice is to be heard. And I think guys were just in a different place, right? Donovan's in a wildly different place. Rising superstar, Adidas spokesperson. What does it mean to be a three-time All-Star? Where is he going his career? Then he was when he was an uncertain rookie who couldn't carry through. Rudy's in a wildly different place than, than where he was when he was going to, this was under Ty Corbin, but going to the G League and where Quinn was building him up from you know a, a raw prospect to a star player and inserting him into the starting lineup and letting him suddenly begin to have his impact on the game and and what he's doing he's just in, he's in a massively different place and so all of those things all of those little pieces of of change i think in years of time lead to the idea that there it, it's just hard to find you know from Quinn's standpoint the no path forward to me is i i not only was i not certain that they had my they had my my voice was resonating but i actually couldn't find the script by which i got my voice to resonate um, with them anymore. And then that's where, you know, Quinn goes back to the first thing I shared with you about authenticity. If he can't do it the way he wants to do it and the way he believes is right and what he sees as success, he's not going to do it. There's not going to be, well, if I alter the way I do this or change this and it's not who he is, he's not a part of it because he's about his essence is authenticity. And so that's where when he says there's a new voice is needed, and he couldn't find a path forward. They're they're interrelated, and they're where how we got here um, today. So now, what's next? What does this mean for Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert? Does it actually mean they're more likely to come back? And what is Danny Ainge going to do with this hire? We look at those things as we continue. Quinn Snyder concludes his tenure as head coach of the Utah Jazz. 
Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. You've probably heard me tell you already a few times, but we have a listener survey out there, so I have an important favor to ask. We can learn more about our listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like, don't like about Locked On Podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of $1,000 Ticketmaster gift cards to take our audience survey. Go to LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey. Thanks. I appreciate it. You guys have built this network. Uh, for all of you who've been part of Locked On Jazz the whole time, you've built this network, and we're letting you have a chance to uh, have another input on it. So let's start with Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge has hired two coaches. He fired Jim O'Brien shortly after becoming the head the head man in Boston. And then his next thing he did was hire Doc Rivers. He hired Doc Rivers after Doc Rivers had spent five years in Orlando. He had gone 41 and 41, 43 and 39, 44 and 38, 42 and 40, and 1 and 10. And yet, Danny Ainge, with no time off in between, went and hired Doc Rivers. Talk about conviction. It's pretty interesting. Right? We think of Doc now, he's been ranked as one of the top 10 coaches of, or 20 coaches or whatever it was of all time. But in, 19, in 19, he had been coach of the year, his rookie year, when Orlando went 41 and 41. And then they go 1 and 10, he gets fired 11 games into the season. And the next year, Danny Ainge basically hires Doc Rivers, and he's the head coach in Boston for the next nine seasons. The other, and the other hire. Danny Ainge made was Brad Stevens. So I'll tell you what, you can't find much parallel between those two in any way, shape, or form. One's a college coach with no pro experience in a time when it's probably still a question mark to hire a college coach. And the other was a former player who'd been a head coach, never been an assistant, and carried the team for nine years. The one that's interesting is that Doc Rivers resigns on June 25th, and by July 3rd, Brad Stevens is hired. Now, they may have known that the Doc Rivers thing was going on for a while, but the other thing that's clear here, again, is pure conviction. Danny Ainge grabbed a 37-year-old coach out of Butler with no NBA experience, and he turned out to be really good. He's nailed both of his two hires. And they don't have a, any peril, seeming parallel between the two of them. So I've seen the list of candidates. They're the natural list of candidates that you'd expect. Alex Jensen, obviously. We'll dig into these as the week goes. Johnny Bryant, both local ties, both coaches, both have all sorts of reasons. Terry Stotts, the best remaining head coach experience out there. Makes sense. Maybe, and if Danny Ainge has always thought Terry Stotts was brilliant, which might be the case because Terry Stotts is a fabulous head coach and 
Portland is our cautionary tale. We better watch closely and hope we don't become after firing Terry Stotts. And then there's, you know, every coach that's been listed right now is kind of, there's nothing unique to these lists, frankly. I could have, without any sources, think I could have probably made up the exact same list, frankly. Um, and I'm not criticizing. That's I, I just, I, I read the reports last night. I, I think I'd go 50-50. 50% the obvious field and 50% there's something Danny has up his sleeve that he's always known about the whole time. Um, that there's, you know, something, someone he's always admired and looked at and seen and thought was really good. It, I don't know if there's a style of coach. You know, Quinn was obviously an intellect, a preparation. Um, we're going to be smarter and execute better. There is the school of thought that the, your next head coach is a play hard guy. Just play hard. You know, that was what Monty Williams and Nate McMillan were thought of. That's probably selling Monty Williams and Nate McMillan short, frankly. But that's how they were portrayed at one point in time. Probably 25 years ago now, Danny Ainge once said to me, you either can be like super creative or a great motivator, but you're probably not both as a head coach. And remember, Danny's been at, like Danny's done all of these jobs, which leads to, I think, a unique perspective on what it takes to do these jobs. And really, we couldn't ask for, this is where it's a big blow, but it's not a death blow because you have a lot to offer. You have one of the greatest team building, general managers, presidents, whatever Danny's, you know, Danny's title is, in league history. He's built two NBA finals teams. You have an owner that is committed to spending more than the luxury tax, going into the luxury tax and showing he's willing to do whatever it needs to win. You have two of the top 20 players in the league. And you have an opportunity to be a fresh voice on a team that's heard the same voice for eight years in a with a president of basketball in Danny Ainge who's had two coaches, both of which spent eight seasons with him, in a franchise that's only had four or five head coaches in f- history, Tom Nasalki, Frank Layden, Jerry Sloan, Ty Corbin, Quinn Snyder. Like you have, you have a, a organization that has, and a franchise has shown continuity. So there's a ton to offer. And that's why this is not a death blow, but it's a big blow. You've lost one of the best coaches in the league. And now you've got to go higher and you have the opportunity to do so because you have Danny Ainge, Ryan Smith, franchise history, two of the top 20 players in the league. You have the opportunity to hire another great coach. So the names are there. We'll dig into them. Will Hardy's a name. He's uh, out of Bo- he's Boston's assistant. He was with San Antonio for a long time. He will probably be this. You know, he's the the logically deduced Popovichian tree candidate. You have the former head coach Terry Stotts. You have the local assistant ties in Alex Jensen and Johnny Bryant. Um, you've got the uh, assistant out of Phoenix and Milwaukee, Charles Lee, Kevin Young. Young's interesting because he's got some G League head coaching experience and he's been with Phoenix the last two years. And Charles Lee has been in Milwaukee, which is Pop, which is Budenholzer, which could be Popovichian. If you look at it that way, these are all the very logically deduced candidates. And maybe that's the right choice. Maybe there's nothing tricky about it. But I have a feeling since Danny Ainge in two hires has not necessarily followed a single thing that was traditional in either of them in who he hired that we, that the chances are as good that the candidate's not on that list 
as it is on that list. And that there's somebody out there that Danny's watched, followed, has been impressed by, aware of, and wants to go. I mean, I don't know, but former NBA player Mark Pope's done a hell of a job at BYU, so who knows? I mean, I I think that's like, maybe he knows something there. I mean, Mark Pope seems like a really, really special dude. And maybe that's actually where the answer is. And he'd be great. He doesn't have a lot of NBA experience, but he has college experience. Um, Maybe there's a, I joked the other day that there's a Doc Rivers for Quinn Snyder trade between Philadelphia and Utah. Doubt it. I, you know, Kenny Atkinson is a, was a very good head coach who supposedly is going to Charlotte, but does that suddenly, you know, slip really quickly and that, that doesn't happen along the way. Um, So I think, you know, we'll watch it and we'll break it down uh, continually. The final one here that's interesting is back to Quinn Snyder's comment of no path, couldn't find the path forward. Is there a new path forward for Donovan and Rudy together with a new head coach? Does I, I've said the whole time that what had to happen for the Jazz offseason was they had to walk into the building in September, at the end of September, early October, and have a feeling of newness that either the amount of player turnover or whatever was taking place, there had to be a feeling of newness to this and a new opportunity and a new chance and a new belief. Well, that has happened. That has happened. With a new head coach, you have newness. All of it will be new. Everything will be new. No one will know what where right goes over left or left goes over right. And we probably will have a little bit like the Celtics did of a 30-game struggle this year under a new head coach. And... Maybe that newness makes Donovan and Rudy say, all right, we've had our losses and our scars together, but let's see what this person can do for us. Let's see what this person can create for us as an opportunity together and whether or not maybe a different voice and a different path forward can lead us somewhere together that we weren't going before. I think there's a chance you could make the argument that the, the Quinn turnover and a new voice and a new path forward increases the opportunity for Donovan and Rudy to find the mix together of how they win together and move this franchise forward. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today. We obviously have a lot to unpack. We come to you every single day. During the week, we'll be talking about what makes a great head coach, what our head coaching candidates are. We'll look at that. We'll continue to look at other people's rosters. We'll continue to try to do player breakdowns. But a crazy offseason has started, begun, and is underway, and we will continue to break it all down for you here on Locked on Jazz. Thanks for all the comments and a lot on the YouTube section as the show's been going on. That's a great part of our community. Thanks for answering our poll questions, and thanks for listening on our regular good old-fashioned podcast app, wherever that might be. Right now, make your second listen of the day, Locked on NBA Big Board.